Cinephiles Attack, a weekly podcast where four movie fans test the limits of their friendship. I am Rashawn and I'm here with Mella, Josh, and Lacey. You know the deal, you know what we do. It's me this week, so you get a little nice in the spice. I'm nice. Um, I'm nice. I know, but Josh kind of compensates for all the nice. You know? Mella too, hey. Mella's pretty nice. It's just you. I, I am a sweetheart. <laughs> you don't say it very much. She forgets. Okay, move on. If you have a second, go to our page on whatever platform you're listening to. Like, subscribe, follow us, uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews mean a lot and help us with the algies. That's the algorithm <laughs> and young. <laughs> uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cinephile Attack. Uh, DM us. Tell us how crazy we are. Um, tell us how much you love us because we love you. And if you have a suggestion for a new episode or you just want to show us some love, email us at whencinephilesattack at gmail.com. Your support means the world. Just pressing play is enough being here with us. But if you find it in your heart to donate to this show and help us stay afloat, you can find us on buymeacoffee.com slash WCA. Uh, please don't ever donate if it causes you any financial hardship, but anything that you can do and will do it's always appreciated. Thank you so much. Hey, friends. Hey. Hey. How y'all doing? Good. Good. Are we watching anything good? Love is Blind season three, baby. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, even Josh is watching it. So by the time you listen to this, whole season's probably out, but catch up with us. We here. The other day, Lacey was out there watching it, and I'll go watch some TV with my wife and she was doing some work out in the living room. So I had some mindless TV going while she was doing her work. So I watched like the second half of the first episode of love is blind. And then the next two, I think so like two and a half episodes. How do y'all do it? (laughs) With with eyes wide open, baby. Uh With a large glass of wine. Could not root for a single character in that whole show. Welcome to reality TV. Yeah, I don't think we're watching for that. So, Rashawn, you can kind of equate to this. I'm a little bit lazy, but mostly Rashawn. So I like to play a game like The Last of Us. I'll play it on the hardest difficulty, or I like to play it like Dark Souls or Elden Ring. I play it. I don't hate play it, but it's a challenge to play it, and it's rewarding when I beat it. Is there something going on with reality TV? Because, like, what's the point? Like, I don't... It's... Yes. It's the reunion after the show it's a bill it's it's this buildup of of everything to like this final climactic Mm -hmm. ending and for clarification i don't go past intermediate i stay on easy (laughs) or the middle one (laughs) yeah yeah dude it's the reunion at the end where like yes it's the buildup you see it all unfold there were some i didn't mind some I really didn't like watching, and some I actively loathed. 
in those first three episodes. Mm -hmm. Like villain, they're villains. Sounds like a great time. Honestly, I have never had more fun watching anything in my life than watching Josh watch Love is Blind. (laughs) That's what, like, the reality shows I will watch are probably Glow Up and Survivor. You find someone you like and you can root for them. and You like competition. I like competition Mm -hmm. and I like being able to fucking root for somebody. These, all of them (laughs) sucked. All of them. Except for the one guy at the, who proposed right away. Brennan. Brennan is. We love him. He's so sweet. Sweet As of right now, pure pure soul. Number one. The Jumping Jacks? (laughs) Yeah, that that was was pretty brutal. That was crazy. I'm done. That's all I have to say about it. (laughs) I can't say I'll be watching episode four. You will be at the reunion. But I, I will You have tune to into watch the, the reunion. Uh, we, let's have a reunion let's, viewing party. Yeah, let's oh have my a God. party. Wait a minute. I will be there. but I will be fucked up. As long as you guys are okay <laughs> with me asking some follow-up questions during the reunion. Oh, no, yeah. that's the thing about the reunion is they give you everything you need to know just in case you missed anything. So you don't need to watch anything except no. for the reunion. Yeah, Vanessa and Nick will catch you up. Don't yeah, Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys watch The Ultimatum? Absolutely. Hell yeah. That was good too. (laughs) (laughs) They know what they're doing with these shows, man. In the Netflix reality bag, I uh, started and finished uh, Drink Master. Crazy. In one night. One night. Just blew through it. It's basically chopped (laughs) with mixologist. Ooh, that sounds fun though. So breezy, easy. Finished it. Loved it. So happy for the winner. Can't wait for our next get together because those drinks are about to be fire. Maybe that's it. <laughs> we, we also we also will turn on nailed it from time to time mm-hmm. in this house. I do love a good um, nailed it. Our podcast is titled "When Cinephiles Attack." <laughs> by the way, well, <laughs> I saw Black Adam. Oh, the girls are gonna roast me, but I loved it. <laughs> Oh my god. Of course you did. Of course Y'all, you did. It was fun. It was fun. Keep that uh, same my, energy. I know. I know. My friend wanted to see it. I probably wouldn't have seen it if he hadn't wanted to. We went, turned to him halfway through, and I was like, um, I'm kind of digging it. He was like, yeah, I'm kind of digging it too. And I mean, it looks fun. fun. Is Pierce Brosnan as good as he looks in the trailers? He's based. I don't know that side of DC. That's not Batman. Yeah. Um. So he's basically like a Doctor Strange. Yeah. Doctor Fate's just Doctor Strange, but like more old. Sure. I just went with it. I I think they have their own like justice. Yeah. Just, it's called just um, just, just it, a, man. I saw the movie. <laughs> it's I know what you, yeah with Hawkman and yeah they have their own. Avengers style group and I thought the visualization of their characters and everything was really really fun and cool and it's not the best thing ever but I had a good time I'm sure if you know who pops up in the mid credits that was fun to see and maybe they've got some plans going oh I had a good time I mean I haven't seen it I've just seen the reviews I'm not against it I'm just I don't want to get burnout knowing the superhero movies that are on the slate that I want to see, so I'm I'll I'll see you when I see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. It, it's because I have the a list. You know, it was guiltless and yeah, mm-hmm. not a bad way to send, spend an afternoon. I'm like scared to talk about it 
But I saw Black Phone finally. It's streaming. Mm. Everyone I spoke to was like, it's just not worth it. It's so disappointing. I didn't like it. I really liked it. I liked it a lot. I didn't see it, but I that I heard like everyone was just like, nah, don't waste your money. I'm like, yeah. I wouldn't be that harsh about it, but I just didn't. I don't know. Something didn't click for me. I think the issue was people were going in expecting to see like a straight up horror movie, and it was way more like a psychological thriller than it was a horror movie, in my opinion. I don't know. I I just thought it was good. I thought it was worth yeah. watching. Uh, everyone that I spoke to was like, Bleh. I just am putting my voice out there saying, I think it's worth watching if you're looking for something to put on the TV. Is it thriller or horror? I say thriller. I don't think it's a horror movie. I think that's also a thing too. I didn't watch this, but I do feel like when things are marketed as a horror movie and they're just like a thriller people are like well that wasn't scary it sucks and it's like okay well that wasn't the intention behind yeah yeah people and you can think it's not a good movie and that's fine yeah but i think there's sometimes that happens where people equate not being scared with it being bad right not saying not saying that a lot of people or anybody did it but that can happen and maybe Mm -hmm. that's what happened here there were like horror elements but sure yeah I i would say thriller too but that that wasn't really my disappointment. I'm glad you liked it. Though. Yeah, I I liked it. Right. Um, speaking of thriller, ah, uh, <laughs> goodness gracious, <laughs> it's about that time. It's about that time. In a minute, what? you're gonna get your ass handed to you. Oh no! Spoiler alert! <laughs> what are we fighting about today? Oh, Rashani. Today, we are fighting about 1992's The Bodyguard. Alexander Graham Bell to see Miss Marin. Oh, jerk. All right. Bill said he used to be with the Secret Service. That was two years with Carter, four with Reagan. Reagan got shot. Not on my ship. All my colors. You don't look like a bodyguard. This is my disguise. (laughs) Well, his timing's good. Henry, I've spent a lot of time guarding people all over the world, and I found one thing to be true. No matter how incompetent the assassins, no matter how much they miss their target by... The Bodyguard is a 1992 romantic drama thriller directed by Mick Jackson, written by Lawrence Kasdan. It stars Kevin Costner, Gary Kemp, Bill Cobbs, Michelle Lamar Richards, Devon Nixon, and the Whitney Houston in her acting debut. Mm. The Bodyguard tells the story of Frank Farmer, a former Secret Service agent who was hired to protect Rachel Marin, a famous actress on the cusp of winning an Academy Award. As the threats around her life grow, Rachel and Frank must also navigate the attraction between them. Uh, This week's request comes from an amazing listener by the name of Malin, who hails from Sweden, which is just so cool that I had no idea that our reach could expand beyond places we've never even been to. So first and foremost, Malin, thank you. You are awesome. 
and I'm glad we could do this episode for you. Uh, Malin reached out a while back um, this summer, I believe, uh, while we were kind of in the midst of the show and dropped this request, sent a lovely message, and she gave me permission to read it. So she said, hi, I recently found your podcast and I enjoy it a lot. I've already listened to a lot of your episodes. I really like to hear your conversations and sometimes I laugh out loud. As you can imagine, I'm also a movie fan. If I can make a suggestion for a movie to talk about, it would be either Jurassic Park or The Bodyguard. It's hard to narrow down favorite movies because it is a little mood-based for me, but those two are among my favorites. I just want to share a few reasons why The Bodyguard is so special to me. First things first, Whitney Houston. It was through this movie that I discovered her and she has been my favorite singer ever since. I saw this movie for the first time a few years after it came out. Mom and Dad had it on VHS, and I had glanced at it for a while because I dared to see it. At the time, I was like 11 years old, and I just fell in love. It's a thrilling movie, and Whitney's voice and beauty just stand out. Some of my favorite scenes are when Tony gets left at the club, comes back and finds Frank Farmer in the kitchen, and they have a whole fight scene that ends with Frank saying, let's not talk about this again. And also when Rachel asks Frank out on a date. It's a great movie, and I cannot wait to see it again to celebrate its 30th anniversary. So, that's Mayland. And as she just said at the end of that message, it is the 30th anniversary of The Bodyguard, which is just insane. Crazy. Um, When she reached out, I knew immediately that I wanted to host this episode because, for me, The Bodyguard is uh, also a just a cultural landmark in my life. I feel like I don't know a black person that does not know the bodyguard. Uh, I feel like they might even just call Kevin Costner the bodyguard without, <laughs> of without, without even knowing his name. That's just, that's the bodyguard. That's, that's the bodyguard. That's all. I don't, Dances with Wolves, congratulations. That's the bodyguard. <laughs> and I, I've just known this movie for as long as I can remember. Um, I was also pretty young when it came out. I think it was like three, three or four. When it came out, and um, it's just, I had already, you know, of course, heard Whitney Houston because my mom and had vinyls in the mo- in the house, and I just knew her voice, and this was one of the first times I saw her, and the movie is just, like, imprinted in my brain. It's one of those, like, like soul food that I just can't get out of my DNA. Um, so I, I absolutely love this movie. I wish I could have found a, a showtime to see it uh, while it was in theaters this past month during the anniversary but yeah it means a lot to me the soundtrack is obviously out of this world iconic mm-hmm. beyond the movie but i also really love the movie we're going to talk about the movie we'll talk about the soundtrack we'll talk about the woman behind both of those things but for me and for mayland the bodyguard is two thumbs away <laughs> I'm racked with guilt, listeners, because I'm staring at my Zoom and I do not know who to go to first because I could be on an island today. I know one person who is uh, on some bullshit, so I'm going to save them. And I'm going to start with Lacey. I have never... You don't know how I feel about this at all. I know your eyes, Josh. (laughs) Oh, beautiful brown ass. (laughs) 
I won't beat around the bush. I was completely messing with you earlier. I actually really enjoyed watching this movie. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I, too, grew up with the bodyguard. But I think, (laughs) I, like, honestly think my parents paused it halfway through. Because I don't remember the second half of the movie, like, at all. And the second half of the movie is is a little weaker. For me than the first half. Ah, so you're a liar. No, I liked it, (laughs) Rashawn. I liked it. But I don't remember. Like, I don't remember hardly anything from the second half of the movie except the final scene where she runs off the plane. Uh, She got off the plane. Yeah, I think it's, it's a very heavily 90s movie. It it's it's the word I love. It is a quintessential '90s movie. I think Whitney Houston is. We were so lucky that we got any time with her at all, and we're so lucky still to be able to experience her gift. We'll go with that for now. Thumbs up, Malin. Thumbs up. Got my eyes on you, Blake. Better. I have issues with it, but I liked it overall. <laughs> hey, Josh. Hey. So, I thought I knew this movie when Malin sent that email. I was like, "Well, Jurassic Park is going to be a four for four. Like that'll just be a love fest." And I was like, mm-hmm. "Bodyguard probably will be too." And we were watching it, and it's like, "Okay, yeah, 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 I remember this. I remember this. I remember this." Because this used to be a VH1 classic oh yeah channel 33 you get an episode of i love the 80s an episode of i love the 90s followed immediately by the bodyguard (laughs) and then oh start over same episode the same episode same episode on repeat and i'd watch all of them i thought pretty similar to Lacey. Uh, we actually had to pause our when we were watching this we stopped it about halfway through and then picked it up later in the day and we had paused it at just the right time because I'll 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 take what Lacey said and I'll take it a little further. It's two different movies. Uh the movie that I remembered was the first half. And I was like, yeah, I remember this. This cute, like sweet drama romance. The second half is the craziest shit I've ever seen. Is that ever. the second half this the I would say it's going away. A little before it starts when they go to Miami for her like FYC event. Got it. Okay. Like, that's to me when the movie, if I could borrow a TV term, jumps the shark. Oh, Uh, my God. I I say jumps the shark when they go Lovingly. Okay. No, not lovingly. Uh, Derogatory. It jumps the shark when they go to the Alps. Um, It was crazy, dude. It was... I I don't know if I could give it a thumbs up. Um... (gasps) I think Whitney Houston is the best singer to ever walk the face of the planet in any time period. I think she's a good actor. I do. I think she's a good, good, not great actor. It was her first one, Josh. Exactly. First role. That second half is tough, man. We're moving on. We're moving on. <laughs> I can't even. Sorry, I can't even run to a safe to. corner. It was crazy. I it's crazy. Don't you oh my dare, god, Kermit. Whitney, are you here with us? Yes, no, baby, I'm not, here. No. Who got a Ouija board? 
<laughs> Y'all don't bump her up. She's a villain this episode. Baby, I'm a villain. Fucking call me out. This movie, Rashawn, it's not good. Oh, <laughs> shit. Malin, I'm sorry. No, You're she's not. You're from no, Sweden. No, she's not. And I love you for it. But this is the thing. I didn't have a bad time. And I think... I relied heavily on nostalgia for this. I was snapping Lacey through it all. (laughs) I remember watching this movie and telling my mom, I want this fucking hair. I Mm -hmm. want these bangs. I want this hairstyle. Like, this movie is definitely ingrained in my brain, but not so much because I remembered every single scene, but I just remember it always being on, like Josh said. And my mom having the movie and the soundtrack, and it was just like, I equate my mom to the bodyguard. But as a movie, it is so fucking clunky. It is incredibly melodramatic. And I don't think it knows that. I don't think Mick is in there knowing that. I think he's just like, let Whitney do her thing. No, we're not going to let Whitney do her thing until it comes to the singing part. She didn't have any acting lessons because they wanted her to be quote-unquote natural baby this is giving acting uh, freshman year it's not good and i this is awesome (laughs) it is not you guys just because it's whitney houston doesn't mean she's good at acting we can separate the two hold on to that hold on to that for the rest for the remainder of this entire scenes are not enough Hold on That's that. what we came here for. We came here to see Whitney blow. And she's not. This will be the one time you hear me defend it, because I'm about to, you're about to get an OG classic, an old Josh Mella mess around. Uh, But this will be the one time I defend it. I think Whitney has a really natural charm and charisma that shines, and I think covers up a lot of whatever acting mishaps she may have. That's it. I, okay, I will get, nope, I will give (laughs) you that, but I don't think her and Kevin have enough chemistry to back that up. They have I a, don't as much, think that's Whitney's fault. They have as much chemistry as um, my uh, 11th grade class schedule, which is to say none. Um, Y'all, this is a listener's choice. Malin, what? So what? Malin, you one of the sweetest emails we've ever gotten. I hope to visit your beautiful home country someday. No, shut up. Malin, get behind me. <laughs> <laughs> Carmela, on God's green earth, you sat on this mic and defended the fucking notebook and then got on here and talked about melodrama as if it's a bad thing. I'm not saying that melodrama is a bad thing. I'm saying 
they don't I don't think they knew that it was gonna be a melodrama. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Did you listen to the score? I feel like Mick was up in there shaking hands. He's just like, oh, Kevin's doing a little something. Let me move in closer. Like it just clunky, bitch. You are equating you are equating melodrama with satire. Melodrama does not have to be self-aware. A melodramatic movie is just melodramatic. No, I didn't say any of that. You said that. <laughs> That's what you're saying. You said, no, I'm not. I feel like it was melodramatic and they didn't like, know. Like, like, they don't have to. They have, have to, be to a... know a little bit. They have to know a little bit. How, do, how would they tip How would they tip you on a movie screen that they know it's a melodrama? Because it would be good. This is not good. It's melodramatic in the well, worst way. There's the fucking way. notebook. No, it isn't. The notebook we know. I know we're it's going not. In there I know and it's we're not. Getting what we're, get. we're not, not putting good. a thriller behind the notebook. Are we putting matter. a thriller behind the notebook? No. I'm sorry, but you can't wrap Let, around that movie. Let's get down with two to old sis. people let's telling get down a story. Kissing in the rain, melodramatic as hell, oh and then God. come here and watch the bodyguard. And okay, tell when me we it's get the to the same. end, when we talk about the big reveal, we'll we'll bring this back up. Go ahead, carry on. I love this. This is the I greatest day of my life. <laughs> because it's bullshit. <laughs> it's she, not bullshit. She sits through millions and millions of Amazon Prime, Netflix, Hulu romances with two white people on the cover. And then the one time you get the bodyguard, <laughs> all of a sudden, you're Siskel and Ebert. Have a seat. <laughs> Which one is she? I'll be the other one. <laughs> she's she's Siskel. <laughs> This is the thing. I'm going to get now, roasted. Now you want to have a critical eye? I'm going to get roasted episode, after this, every other people episode, don't want to admit like, that this is not good. People are going to say they love it because Whitney's amazing. Let, okay. Take away okay. Whitney I will, singing I will concede this. if you can also admit that The Notebook is not a good movie. No, I won't agree. Okay, then you have no leg to stand on. I will not agree with you that. You come on Sorry. this mic every other time. Every other time no. and you're like, I feel like... People, every time we walk out of a movie theater, I feel like people just, like, don't watch movies as, like, movies. They have to, like, think about it. And can't you just, like, enjoy it? I couldn't, I couldn't physically, and I said I didn't have a bad time. I didn't say say I had a bad time. Because, because we see movies together that I want to see. So when we walk out, I'm like, Mela, how was it? And she's getting the sleepy boogers (laughs) out of her eyes and be like, it was good. It was cute. Wiping the crusts out of her eyes. <laughs> I just cannot believe that this is the one she wants to take a stand I'll say this, on. I'll say this. I'll say this. If we're comparing the two, if we're comparing the two. How are we comparing the two? If Go if ahead. we are, that's where the conversation is right now. Yeah. As speaking as someone who does not like either, because I there's know. a lot of I'm one and one on As someone who puts both of them in the same box, one of them has two leads that deliver fantastic performances and have uh, incredible chemistry. The other one has a three pulling a ten. Are you calling Kevin Costner a three? In this movie, yes. Oh, my God. I He's have just no- I have so nothing. vanilla. I have... I am Rachel Marin because I have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... I get, I get where they're going where it's like he has to be all business... He's gotta be stoic. He's gotta be like the haircut's all business, dude. The Jesus, haircut, you guys are fucking bullies. Just fuck. I wanted to see. Comb it up. I I wish you had to dig with a wig in this. I was on the ground. 
broken ankles are reaching out to you. This is not the time to reach for me, baby. This is not the time. Kevin is so I'll be dry. there for you later. I promise. And, and this is Wait. the thing. Wait. Whitney, he's standing next to Whitney, which is Josh's point. Oh, my goodness. Like, give a little something, Kev. You, I, no, Nothing's there. Hello? I was living, about to feel plenty. that way. I was about to feel that way about him until we got to the safe house. And then seeing his interactions with his dad, with Fletcher, and getting to see him be a little more joyful in those moments, that saved it a little bit for me. And I just wish we had gotten more of the human side of him sprinkled throughout. We really... What about the date? The date, the date I was, was just, if you were going to let me talk, I was going to say the date is very I'm sorry, cute. I'm sorry, I'm on the ropes. I'm sorry. <laughs> the date is very cute. And like we get to see a little bit. He's still super guarded. Hmm. He's still super guarded Body in that guard. scene. You, that's yes thank you <laughs> why you have why you, she did it already why did you I have know. to <laughs> he's still a little guarded in that scene but we get to see some cracks in the armor and that's what like 30 minutes in we get the date and then yeah. he's like no i can't do it and then we lose him again for 45 minutes nowhere. and I, it's just not enough. I wanted more. I wanted more. I like. I would love to see this movie made n- now with Richard Madden. No, go please. I, I don't know. I would just. I would love to see it made now with someone like Chris Evans or someone who can play that stoic, but still has that warmth and that a little charismatic. Christmas charisma oh. underneath. Oh my god. But you get known for being a certain way, a way people think you are. And pretty soon, you get like that. Guess you can't help it. Oh, so you don't think so? Oh, you're such an expert on famous people, huh? I've seen a few. And you disagree? You can be as you choose to be. It's an act of discipline sometimes, but it can be done. Is that why you never stay with one of your clients? They too undisciplined for you? Or is it that you might start to care about them? That's right. Can't you answer straight just once? You're too clever for me. I can't keep up. Look at me, farmer. You don't approve of me, do you? Disapproval is a luxury I can't afford. All gets in the way, right? Don't like your emotions getting to you? Never makes business with pleasure. That's right. Will you grab that jacket for me, the red one, please? I'm here to keep you alive, not help you shop. Here's my defense, because I can't, unlike the other two, I can't Thanks. fight what you're saying. I <laughs> I know, I, you're the only ally I have. So... <laughs> I think that this is a thriller first, a drama second, and a romance third. So I I don't think that the romantic part of the movie is at the forefront, even though that's kind of what it's held up in history as. And I feel like the cracks in the armor that we get with him 
kind of make it a, a bittersweet movie. Obviously, mm. they don't end up together. I, th- I feel like he almost got there. They got really close. They dance. They have sex. And then he backs away for the rest of the movie. And I, I get that that's not a satisfying romance, but I don't think this is this is a romance movie first. I think this is a drama about two people from different worlds falling in love for a moment. That's That's just me, personally. I would agree with you, but I think then it needed to be flipped. We needed an hour of the bodyguard. <laughs> and then we get that 30-minute slip close to the end that we see that slip finally happen where he has fallen so in love with her. Like, it happened really fast at the beginning and then it was abandoned. Yep. I think in my mind, that's how I pictured it was the flip a lot of the drama thriller and then the movie happens and he starts falling in love but the whole date thing happens very quickly and then it's done really quickly and then it almost feels like we're robbed of the romance and I guess you saying that the romance is third makes sense but I feel like it's just super lacking even if it is third I just feel like there's not enough of a through line of it. Does that make sense? Josh? I have a question. Josh. What is going on with the orange juice? Be thirsty. What <laughs> is going... It go- was a little distracting. Not from you, Milk. <laughs> Not from you. Me? Sarkin. No, no I your husband. Oh. I got... Listen, listeners, I got a lot of flack. In our Blue Valentine episode for admitting that when I was younger, I used to drink a lot of milk. We don't even have regular milk in our fridge anymore. We have oat milk, and we only use that for, like, cooking and coffee. So, I think I have a little grounds to say on what the fuck is going on with the orange juice. It was supposed I to be cute. I think he is a recovering alcoholic, and he is drinking the juice to placebo affect his mind and thinking that he's drinking a screwdriver because later on in the movie he eventually finally pours that's not a screwdriver that's that's a tall glass of vodka with a splash of orange juice (laughs) i know but he keeps drinking the orange juice as a placebo effect to kind of wean himself off i think it's a recovery trick and then when he finally breaks later on in the movie he's like fuck it i'm gone and we needed, that was we like needed a single drink. line or something because no, it's like a perfect visual character beat. That's all you need. You don't you don't need a monologue about how he used to be an alcoholic and now he's he's back. You know, like he's. I don't need a monologue. I need a single <laughs> line. I don't no, just like no, no, no. When, when a scene shot, opens, when when a scene opens on a glass Drinking of orange, orange juice, juice after after it closes on a fucking glass of orange juice. From the Miami nighttime to the Miami daytime, the like, are why are is, do people not drink orange juice? I'm so like concerned. Not <laughs> <No>. that much. <laughs> what? what? Not does. that much. Carmela, like shut up! You bought that jug that's in the fridge right now. Shut up! You don't drink that much orange juice. Yes, I do. do I drink. Your, I drink a lot of juice. Where's your insulin? I'm also recovering. <laughs> Dude, that bullet, it's almost a shame that that bullet didn't kill him because the heart issues he's going to have from all that sugar is going to kill him later. Oh, my God. (laughs) Jesus Christ, he drinks a lot of just straight-up OJ. 
I think it's a really... <laughs> I have nothing. I have nothing. 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 I think it's a very subtle way of, of giving him a little history and his backgrounds. Obviously, he blames himself for what happened the day that Reagan was shot. You know, all of like all of that is just unsaid, and I think I blame him. Really I well blame him for not being there to make sure the job got finished. You know what I mean? Joshua, keep that in. I will not. <laughs> keep that in. I gotta go. <laughs> Malin, I'm so sorry, girl. I'm so sorry, girl. Well, if that's I could I could get behind that Rashad, but why not choose cranberry juice? Or it's not as visual. It doesn't pop as visually. Soda water, like soda water with a lime, made more sense. Orange juice. Exactly. He's stoic and he's silent, but there's something like you remember. Childish. You remember that all he drinks is orange juice. Yeah, because I think he's a psychopath. We're moving on. Is in the dust. He sent in the letters, dude. Check for orange juice stains on the letters. <laughs> I didn't get this jumped on fucking Charlie's Angels. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, uh, I have other stuff I want to talk about unless you have something on the palette. The outline's out the window. Go. Yeah, for sure. Gone. Um, that was your fault for writing an outline. Uh, <laughs> Can't help it. The Miami scene, the, what, is, um, what I'm assuming is a four-year consideration party after her Oscar nomination. She does this big number, and then the fireworks go off, and then outside of the building where all of the important people are, so they can't even see it, is just in a million dollars worth of fluorescent lightings, Rachel, just on, on top of the building, and then fireworks that last for like 10 minutes. Like it cuts Raining away. It's, <laughs> the sparks are still falling. It's, like, it's the equivalent of you driving down Hollywood Boulevard and seeing a big LED sign that says Beyonce. Nowhere close to that is that. Because that's a two-story tall Rachel on top of a building that all of the voters are inside for. But they're at the event. Like they are they don't need to be convinced. They're already there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Then who's getting convinced by this plate? Who's getting convinced by this big ass sign? It's for the people that can't get in. (laughs) She's a star. It's it's extravagance. Rachel, what do you want? So not her last name. Cher would do that. But Cher is Cher. How many other shares do you know? I can name ten Rachels right now. In the, in the world of the movie, she's the one and only Rachel. That's all you need to know. I re- that is an insane concession to make. If I'm going to assume that Kevin Costner is a recovering alcoholic who drinks orange juice all the time, I cannot also concede that there is only one human on the face of the earth named Rachel. That is nominated for an Oscar? Yes, there's one in five women. In my, this isn't even in L.A. or New York. It's in Miami. Who's who's going to Miami? Let it go. Let it go. (laughs) I have other stuff, but go. So shouts out to Sam. Sam has watched this a lot. Sam loves this movie. Uh, It's one of his sisters' favorite. (laughs) He's asleep by now. And when it got to the scene in the cabin where Rachel's sister had a breakdown, 
Oh my god, let's get into it. <laughs> I had to pause it to check with Lacey, who wasn't quite sure, so we checked with Sam, who's seen this tons of times, which is his sister's favorite movie, to make sure that I got everything right. I felt like I was missing something the whole time. Like So, so she put a hit on Rachel by going to a bar and just asking for a fucking hit, man. Um, and then that was actually the dude who blew up the boat, but she didn't know he was going to blow up the boat. But the stalker has nothing Correct. to do to do with the sister or the hitman. There's just two, just a fork in the road. There's two totally separate storylines. Yeah. But I could not understand her when she was speaking, and I don't watch the subtitles on, so I had to pause and make sure. She was very stoned. Stoned. Part, I was so stoned. Stoned. Get out of here with the with the weed panic out of nowhere. Like, oh come on, it's the nineties. I know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'll, no, I'll say have it. Wait, <laughs> let's start there. Okay, we get like glimpses. I feel like this movie wants us to assume a lot of things. The OJ, <laughs> the Rachel thing. <laughs> The sister. <laughs> Such an and asshole today. We get <laughs> glimpses of her, you know, like we have Rachel in a close or not a close up, but we have Rachel and then we have the sister like in the window. In different shots, we always have the sister in the back doing something else. So we get this sense of jealousy, perhaps. Especially when Kev walks into her dance sesh and she's like, Oh yeah, you know we realize who the star really is and we we get that but there's never a sense of i want to fucking kill my sister like like everything a- up to this point ha- she has been so loving mm, no i it- disagree no i will say i will say that they do throw in a lot of good like in the moment in when they're singing together and, and in the dance studio there's a lot of things that are like hint at like she actually really doesn't like rachel and so I was like ready and hoping to accept that, oh, the sister gave away their location to the stalker and the stalker's here to kill Rachel. I was like, okay, she's working with a stalker, whatever, whatever. But this whole, and I paid him a hun- whatever money that he's going to complete the job and then some like. Crazy. Absolutely not. From where? From where? That's from what where? I'm saying. Where did we get that from? It, it what, was literally. What exactly? I just don't understand this... what what more you like. She's not gonna walk around wearing a t-shirt that says "I hate my sister." <laughs> no, but like the twist to me, the twist wasn't even like, "Oh shit, it was the sister." Oh, that's a good twist. Mine was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, huh? I don't. I don't mind that it came out that she was plotting against Rachel. I think they left enough breadcrumbs. That's fine. It's the method. It's the going into a bar while stoned and asking for a fucking hitman. Okay, plot mechanics aside, I think it's the perfect crime. Like she is the closest person to her. Nobody, even the bodyguard, if she hadn't been there drunk confessing it. Nobody was would have suspected her. And I think the jealousy, everything that you're talking about, Mel, visually is laid there, foreshadowing her betrayal, her jealousy. One of my favorite scenes in the movie 
when they're sitting outside the cabin singing and Rachel just walks up behind her and blows her out of the water <laughs> like, so three so lines hard. three lines of singing so crazy it's perfect like it's perfect it's all there she is she is the sister of Whitney Houston right so, she, of course she's jealous you said it's a perfect crime because she's the closest one to her and like she mm-hmm. could pull this off whatever whatever Mella hmm. who do you think it like who are you closest with Rashadi hmm She's pulling off a great murder right now. <laughs> I'm not. This is. I'm not talking about her hiring a hitman. Yeah, I do. This is halfway through it. I agree with Lacey. I normally am not the one to say I can't see this remade, but this one deserves a remake. And I don't mean it because I wish Whitney was involved. Because fuck, she's amazing. But singing. But I think there's so many things that, like this, for example, the sister plot would be done way better. No, it would be over-explained. No, no, I don't think it would be. over-told. No, yes, it would. I don't think it would be. I think it would, the breadcrumbs would be perfect. The breadcrumbs are perfect. I think I the breadcrumbs are good in this. I didn't know Guys, that you hadn't no, seen this. I didn't know that you hadn't seen this. But going back on a rewatch... When uh, Frank enters the house, yeah, I didn't know you hadn't seen this. No, I have seen it, but I just didn't. I've seen. I saw it like when I was a kid, so I didn't remember the little details. Like when the sister thing uh, happened, I was like, "Oh, yes, that's right." But it had been years. But go ahead. I see. Um, I think on a rewatch, when Frank goes into the house to meet everyone, when Billy brings him in, the first person you see staring at Rachel is her sister. Mm-hmm. Like it's. It's her right there. Like, that's the person you're looking for. That's the first person he meets. And then he spends the whole movie looking for her. And if you watch the movie with the knowledge that it's her, it's all there. It's just not overt. But that's the thing. The whole movie, it's not the whole movie. She has a stalker who's totally separate. It's a red herring. But that's what I mean. That's but not the whole movie. That, that That's that, something that does bother me is that the stalker was, like, threatening to kill her. And then we're just uh-huh. like, oh, he's just like, he's obsessed with her. Yeah. Right. Because for a second, I was like, Bye. wait, was he just obsessed with her? Or and, and then yeah. the letters were from the sister that were like, th- like, I got confused. But I was like, also, oh, I no, he think, still wanted think, to fucking kill her. I don't think the letters are from who her sister hired. I think no. the letters are from the stalker. And she thinks that it's the person she hired. So she's conflating the two at the table. And she's like, those are my thoughts. I hate her. No, I know. Well, but no, the stalker she, is still threatening to kill yeah. her. But they I, they arrest him. Like, what? I, I don't know. But they let but him go, too. Ju- he's just in holding. They they don't charge him. Nothing because happens. He's there at the end. They let him go. Because they're like, he just wrote some letters. Which, he didn't just write some letters. He threatened to kill her. But whatever. Um, but also... I thought at the table she didn't hide the hitman until the stalker because when the letters came she was like it's like he was saying my thoughts and like that's I thought the stalker emboldened her to go find a hitman. No, she had already hired. She, yeah, it just came at like the perfect time. Yeah, so she thought See what I mean? Like that how, was what he was doing. Like huh? To me it would have been better if the stalker was not as intense, I guess. We come to find out in the wrap up Oh, he was just obsessed with her and he was at every show when he collected fucking 
pieces of her costume and he just has a shrine of her, which is still weird, but it's not like he wants to kill her. And then, like, it needs to be separate. It's the death threats that you're like, oh, well, I mean, that was still pretty bad. And now he's on the loose. And he was in front of her so many times. Okay. I don't don't quite understand. But... I'm just just saying... I don't don't understand the note. I'm I'm saying the note needs to be... When we come to find out that the sister is the one who did it, the stalker doesn't need to be as intense. The stalker should be one thing that is just obsessed with her, is a, is a fucking stan. And the sister needs to be the one that is doing the death threats. And he still did, like, he broke into her house and masturbated on her bed. Yeah. Like, that is... That's not just writing a couple letters. Like, they, the cop, like the cops did, could have arrested him and let him go. He, trespassing, breaking, entering, and whatever you cry, whatever charges you get for finishing it on a bed. Um. Anyway, <laughs> I'm gonna take the L this round because I don't understand the issue. But go ahead. I don't. I don't. I really. I'm not trying to be like difficult. I think the ultimate goal behind the stalker and the sister is that there is danger around her. And that is the need for Frank. Right. I I think what we're saying is one of the dangers needs to be higher than the other danger. That way, when we get to the big twist, it's more of a shock or more of a twist versus us being like, I don't think it's revealed or choreographed like a huge twist. It's this quiet moment in the dark between two people at a table. Yeah, I don't like that. Quiet, quiet. Quiet. Like, it's very quiet. I don't... It's not like a dun-dun-dun, it was you. It's like a sober, or pun intended, not sober, because mm-hmm. she's very drunk, reveal that she made a mistake and her jealousy consumed her. And it's like it's like a sad character beat between the two of them that mm-hmm. I really love. It's instead of this, like, everyone in the room pointing at her and being like, you did this? Like, nobody ever finds out. I think that's the saddest part of all. Right. Even the assassin at the Oscars, nobody even realizes she buries her sister without knowing how much she hates her. Mm-hmm. I think that is so tragic and sad. And, and I don't think it needs to be, like, this huge, like, thing. I just think maybe, perhaps it's in the filmmaking. Maybe not in the storytelling. That it just seemed like, to go back to what Josh said, it's like, I even felt like, wait, did I miss something? Because she just goes right into it. Like, he literally opens the door and she just starts in, which I guess, yeah, sometimes that happens when you're drunk. But it's almost, when we're watching a movie, there's no even moment to, like, catch up. We're like, oh, wait, she's, like, confessing? What do you mean? Like no, her no, nephew no. almost that just died. Makes sense. Huh? Yeah. Her nephew almost just got killed. In like what she is blames her the worst scene in the movie. Whatever. It is her confession is totally motivated. Her jealousy almost got her nephew killed. And she is at the table beating herself up. She confesses to him. And even in her final moments before she's killed, she can't even get rec- get recognition for the person that hired her. That's how sad her character is. She's like, I'm the one that, boom, she's dead. So I 
I don't know what exact, I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't know what you're going for. Because what's in the movie, I feel like, is earned. Can I try? Mm-hmm, yes, please. ma'am. I think the issue is we have a hitman and we have a stalker. And this the hitman obviously is taken care of in the end by Frank. A little too late, but it happens. But there are no consequences for the stalker. The, None. The stalker is then just out sending her death threats and masturbating in her bed for all we know all over again. Mm-hmm. That's my I issue. Think, I think the movie wants us to think he regrets or sees the error of his ways because there's that last cut or that last moment with him where he sees her rushing into the ambulance and he kind of like has a look of uh, he's aghast and then he kind of fades back into the crowd and i think the movie wants us to assume he's sorry better now yeah to me that was just them commenting that there will always be threats for her Mm. out there I don't, yeah. I don't think he's let off the hook. I think even in the interrogation scene, you can kind of see that he's not fully there. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I mean, he says there's nothing we can do. We can't pin anything on him. I don't, I mean, can you charge someone with a death threat? I don't know. You could charge someone for trespassing. Breaking and entering. Breaking and entering. They have a DNA sample. I don't know. To me, it's not important. <laughs> you know, like he's he's dealt with as much as they can and then there's still an assassin on the loose. I think it wouldn't be as important but they the movie makes it so important. Like we spend so much time with these letters yeah. with this guy that at the end when we see him we see him once at the club and then mm-hmm. we see him at the end with the ambulance and we we're get, we're like, "Oh, he's good. Like he's just off the hook." We if, get scenes like with just him at his locker great. making the letters. Yeah. Yeah. Car. Like Exactly. He turns into a main character, and I think that's what's so jarring and when he gets kind of tossed aside randomly and then brought back, it, it it's jarring. But he I mean to me, he is he is part of the reveal of her sister. You think it's all him. He's like a big bad. And it's like, no, the danger is right inside the house with her. And then you're like, oh, well, who's this guy? And like, no, he's he's just a crazy stalker. She has fans and they are always going to be there. Hmm. But I, I, I get what you're saying. Goodbye, Rachel.
the boat exploding scene played like an SNL sketch. <laughs> no, it didn't, Josh. Yes, it did. No, it Him, didn't. Him, you chuckled with me. I was aghast <laughs> with you. <laughs> the, first off, the, just like, just the, of him by himself in the boat just taking off <laughs> and then K-Cost running and lighting him up which is accurate that's what he should have done because if he lighten him up whatever gets him in the water pulls him to safety and then when he's blowing up at Kevin Costner like what are you talking about he just saved your kid like even without knowing the boat's gonna explode he could have gone out there in the middle of the lake and capsized and now he's gonna drop it he took him out of the boat and got him to the whatever stop yelling at Kevin Costner and then they cut to just the putt-putt and then perfectly in the middle of the lake. Just the biggest explosion I've ever seen. Like there's no, it was, there's yeah. no way that that explosive device, it had to have been in the bed of the boat. And even then, like, how is it not sinking? It had to have been in the bed of the boat. So the kid just missed a giant fucking bomb in the middle of the boat and just like, here we go. <laughs> just took off. <laughs> Oh, you know I don't do these logic dances with you. He is crazy. (laughs) There's a bomb in the boat. It exploded. Period. And I get the foreshadowing when they're checking the car, like looking for a bomb. And then when it, oh my god! And then the fucking, you could tell Kevin Costner was a producer in this movie because he was because it included scenes like him closing his eyes and using using his other senses to find out where the killer is and shooting like what is that daredevil shit like get out of here so you guys really didn't like this one huh (laughs) (laughs) i'm like shocked i did not think josh would like it but i am shocked at how much you dislike it bella because come on lace come on it is melodrama in the best 90s way possible and I, I, and I knew this and I was like, okay, I'm going to soak that up. But for every moment I gave in, there was something around the corner that I was like, okay, all right. Like the sister that I cannot concede on. I, I cannot, I don't know what I'm looking for. Maybe, uh, I don't, I don't know. I need to see it redone and maybe I'll be like. You know what? The original was better. But this was just not it. There were so many times. It's so funny to me because you guys have been railing on the storytelling and like the breadcrumbs. And that was like my big takeaway at the end. I was like, well, I didn't like love all of the performances and it was a little melodramatic. But I think it's a really well told story. Like I think it's a really, it has a great ABC. It has a great twist with the sister <laughs> what Keep are they rolling Lace. their eyes at me yes i think we're both just like does it <laughs> i do josh I, I will give josh is consistent but mella you're on some shit continue okay Lacey. um if you've been listening to this podcast since day one consistency you know is not carmella is on her shit is not in me thank you continue Lace. No, I just think, I think it's really well told. Like, it feels literary. It feels like this could be a book, a psychological thriller. 
I don't I that that was my big takeaway is I was like, oh, I think the writing was really good. I think it they told a really thorough story. I okay. I, I'll go back to I don't think the film making of it is I think that's my issue. It's like the story on paper, like if I was reading this, I'd be like, okay, yeah. Like you said, A, B, C, one, two, three, it's all makes sense. But the filming of it was at times so, and maybe it has to do with like the 90s, maybe it's the directing, but I was just like, this looks terrible. This looks Dude, bad. Terrible. There was some whiplash in this movie from some of the filming beats to some of the editing beats to, I'll say it, some of the story beats, like the whiplash of, oh shit, they're fucking, to he is absolutely against it now, to everything at the cabin, to the biggest of all in Miami when he when he goes on an anger bender and beats the shit out of that guy out of oh, nowhere. Yeah. And That's it's like the whiplash in this movie was through the roof, man. It's just like I on my letterbox, one of my one of my beats or one of my fucking notes was that we're handheld at some moments. Why? What what do what do we need to be handheld for? In Carmilla, the scene? What what are we doing? The what, amount of Nick? times the <laughs> amount of doing? times that <laughs> this happens in movies is astronomical. The fact that this one time you're like, wait, they switched to handheld? No, that's my point, is that it didn't make any fucking sense. I understand that there's movies that they switch to handheld and I'm aware of it. It's not something that I'm like, oh yeah, that was handheld. I, I can tell. It's but for this, the fight and that's it. No, baby, no, there was other points when? where the shit is shaking. It is when? shaking. Tell me when. Tell wanted, me when. I can't. We'll do a Oh, I know you can't because we'll it's just the fight. we'll do a live commentary. No, it's not just the I, fight. I listened. I read your letterbox review because you watched it before me. And I sat down and I said, I'm going to watch this two-hour movie. And I want to see some fucking handheld shots okay. that are just all over the place. Okay, maybe <laughs> the, the camera was just shaky. But also, why are we in a handheld in the fight? For what? The, the fight between Kevin Costner and Tony was way too long. One of Malin's favorite moments. Malin, I'm sorry. It also was mine. way too long. And also, again, producer Kevin Costner wanted to look cool throwing a knife. I'm sorry. That's, all the, that's the only reason that was in there. How is it not to show that he's good at his job and able to protect her? When when is that used to protect her or used in his job at all? It's not used in the movie, but he is able to do that to protect whoever he's guarding. It took him a couple warm up shots the first time, <laughs> and he always has he always has a knife. He, he always has, has a that gun. Samurai, he always has a samurai sword. No, we. He does. He has a samurai sword in his in room. In his basement, he doesn't always. Ha- he's, he's not walking in like a goddamn shogun. I, like, all right, you know what I'm saying, Joshua? <laughs> Give me something. <laughs> that was totally in there, so Kevin Costner could look cool throwing a knife. I don't give a fuck. That's why that was in there. No, Lawrence Kasdan, your writer, episodes four, five, and six, is a big fan of Yojimba, which means bodyguard, which is what he based the screenplay on, and he littered some of those moments throughout the screenplay so that that wasn't kevin costner that was lawrence caston well good because kevin costner didn't look cool throwing those knives i can't win i can't win (laughs) 
no, but that scene was too long. It should have ended at like swing, op op chair. Because then, it, yeah, that part was cool. I'll, I'll that was it. cool as shit. And then it kept going. Because then it ruins. Because we're supposed to believe that Kevin Costner, that 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 farmer, is like efficient and he's good at what he does, and like he gets shit done first try, boom, boom, boom. And then the fact that it just kind of like keeps going and going and going, it's like because oh, it's okay. not about him. It's about it's who about he's fighting, and tone. he won't give up. Um, also, in the Oscars, Lacey, I know you thought this was bullshit too. I know you did. We shared a look. When Tony goes to stop the assassin and gets defeated by an eye poke and a karate chop. <laughs> Tony's six foot eight, three hundred and twenty pounds, dude. Absolutely not. The karate chop was a little funny. <laughs> that was part of the the thing that he just re- talked about, no? Huh? Episode Don't point at me. Don't point <laughs> at me this episode. Don't reference me. Don't look at my square. <laughs> Leave me alone. Oh. Um, I love the end. I thought that was very great. Almost cried. Didn't, but I almost did. That's like a classic, me- you know. Do you guys want to see my impression of any white male actor over twenty-eight years old in the nineties uh, kissing their co-star? Do you want to see it? Yes. Dude, that kiss is crazy. They don't move their lips at all. They close them as much as possible. They push their lips together and they just kind of rotate their heads. Yeah, it's it's like old school kissing, like where they like just old like school. grab the head and then they just move. It that's I think that's what got me out of it, honestly. Like I wanted to see like a good ass kiss. Like she hopped off the plane for that. Can you imagine the, 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 the chafing if he has any stubble on his upper lip? He probably does. That and would his be lips are yeah. small. Right. If you don't put some... Please, I'm going to hit you with that later. Do Please it. don't. <laughs> Rashani, how we doing? I'm just letting Josh and Mel go back. I want to hit you with that bobblehead. You know what I mean? And then throw a little tongue in there randomly so she doesn't know what to expect. Call that the serpent. Ew. What's your favorite song from The Bodyguard? Speaking of, there's not enough. I needed more Whitney. Can, can you answer the question before you start hitting me again? Uh, my answer, I think, is kind of a twofer. From the movie, I Have Nothing, I think, is my favorite. Because I like the studio version of I will always love you a little more than I like the movie version. But if it's a studio version, I think I will always love you might be the best song of all time. Um, at least top five. But I, I, I like the stu- the movie version a little less, so I will go with I have not, nothing. <sighs> well, you didn't like any of them. No, I love it. That's what my issue is. I literally Uh-oh. loved them all. Okay. Like, I don't think I can choose. I think the the other great thing is that everything is so perfectly placed throughout the movie, musically, Mm -hmm. that it feels seamless. It doesn't feel like, okay, okay, now we're taking a a song break. It's time for Whitney to sing. Like, they integrated it all so well. 
throughout the film. I that, mean, yeah, I will. Agree I with love. I will always love you. How do you not? Yeah, love that song. <laughs> I mean, I do like the scene where she's like getting her hair done, and then she's like, "Hold on," and then we cut to like Kev in the his room, and he's listening to "Run to You" on her on the TV. Mm-hmm. Like that moment where he's just like, "Oh shit, she's like really good." Yeah, that is really good. I mean, I all of the songs are fucking great. Queen of the night. Yeah, I would say Queen of the Night is also. I just like that performance. I like that scene. I mean, that scene is iconic, obviously. The outfit. The outfit is amazing. The cape on the outfit. The cape, um, bitch. Yeah, that I'll I'll say that too. I I want to pray. I. <laughs> If you've noticed, most of my critiques have happened in the latter half of the movie. I think the first half of the movie is very solid. I don't want to say good. It's solid. I think that scene is good. I think they do a really good job of building attention and the dread of people starting to come on stage and her stopping her security and then more people come on stage that she didn't invite. I think that is a really, really well executed scene. And they build the tension really well in that scene. too late for both of you um i'm tired (laughs) (laughs) you have one out malin mama i i um i gave a good fight and and lace lace assisted i tried i'm sorry don't act like we haven't had a guest episode for the uh for for the other guys Mm. who ripped out a new one probably you and probably me. And probably you. Not the way you guys were going in. There's yeah, a you're... no. You guys were laying into it. <laughs> that was nu- that was nuts. That's it's funny. <laughs> Such a brat. Nuts. <laughs> um, uh, where's where, where's my outline, baby? <laughs> baby. <laughs> Isn't isn't a tumbleweed in the corner of a room? You didn't need it. The Debbie Reynolds cameo kind of sent me for a loop. Yeah. That little casting connect. I I uh. <laughs> uh yeah I I think the story of of uh, Costner kind of really convincing Whitney to do this. I think it took her like two years to agree to do it. Um, she just wasn't sure of herself as an actress, and he really helped her through the movie and I think there were even test screenings where people weren't happy with her performance but uh, he taught her to kind of focus in and listen with her eyes and act with her eyes and from my perspective I think their chemistry is really great I yeah <laughs> I'll respect the yeah. Kim Acosta for that again silver screen legend uh, obviously he is who he is doesn't look his best in this movie. That's all I'm going to say. He looks, <laughs> he looks mighty fine to me. Um, any other uh, uppercuts we got? Probably. Um, from, from the monster that is Jormella. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a minute. She's been hibernating. I think uh, I got it all out. I got enough out that I'm, I feel satisfied. How <sighs> oh, I feel exhausted. November 28th. A day that will live in infamy. <laughs> infamy. <laughs> you, know, um, you know what Buzz Lightyear said? To infamy and beyond. To infamy and beyond. 
who would like to play a game? Me. Uh-huh. I'm scared after this one. I'm a little nervous. Well, yeah. You know, me. I was I was very straightforward with this one because I did not see that jump coming. That's what I was gonna say. I think I don't think he expected it to be this bad. So usually, <laughs> expects the episodes to be. I want to play a game. All right, everyone, gird your loins. Riddle me this. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. I despise guessing games. Come on, boy. Boy, play with me. Riddle me that. This game is called Put Your Life on the Line. Oh. You all are all interviewing. For the role of the bodyguard. During your interview, I have a few potential clients that I need you to assess. So here's how this is going to work. On a tiered point system, three being the hardest, one being the easiest, I'm going to name situations that certain famous movie characters have gotten themselves into. You need to tell me the name of the character and the movie that they are from. If you answer the first round, you get three points, two points. The easiest clue to give you will be one point. The person with the highest points at the end of the game will win the job of the bodyguard. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, interviewees. Your first client for three points is a photographer with a smoking habit. For three points. I'm just telling you about who they are and things that might be dangerous. It's, um, is that a nightcrawler? Jake Gyllenhaal? No. Yeah, he's not. He's not really a photographer, though. He's a, he's a, he's a pap. Going once, twice, three times a lady for two points. He's going away for the weekend to meet his girlfriend's parents. This could be so many things. Once. Uh, Mella? It is uh, Get Out, and that is Chris Washington. That is correct. Mm-hmm. He's a photographer? Mm-hmm. He is a photographer, yes. Did not remember that. What was the third clue? And for one point, he underwent hypnosis with a teacup. Mm-hmm. Easy. Should, should have said that one first. <laughs> Josh. Uh, your third client lives in Hollywood, California and works at night. Oh, that's... Josh? That's got to be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, do you have a character? Yeah. Charles Manson. I believe you were looking for Cliff Booth. <laughs> but no, that is not correct. Ah. Yes. Is Come that... Um, oh. Can you say it again? <laughs> this client lives in Hollywood, okay. California and works at night. Is this Pretty Woman? Yes, it is. No! It's a nightcrawler. And do you have a name? Jules. <laughs> uh Lacey? Vivian. Yes. Just because of the way the episode's been going, I'm gonna give two to Lacey and one to Mel. Are you <laughs> fucking yeah! kidding me? 
It pays to not be a jerk. That's bullshit. A what? A what? I said a, it pays you to say not jerk be a... or dirk? <laughs> jerk. Uh, for two points, they also shop on Rodeo Drive, which can be very dangerous. And for one point, they t- they took a too good to be true offer from a corporate raider to be his girlfriend for a week. Hmm. Uh, our next client, uh, Mela's unfortunately in the lead with three points. <laughs> our next client is tending to his sick, slightly contagious older brother. This feels animated. I want to say it right now. Very vague. I apologize. Yep. I don't have it. For two points, they he goes outside to play in the rain. <gasps> Lacey. Uh, oh no. I'll take the first name. Wait. Is it Georgie? Yes. Okay, that Georgie so from It. Big, that first one. Georgie Dinbro from? From It. Oh, you Chapter said, one. sorry. Two points to Lacey. And for one point, he is apparently talking to someone in a storm drain? Question mark? Can I get an extra point if I can do the eye thing? <laughs> nope. Um, if anybody's getting the extra point for that, it's me. We all know Lacey's this. the only person that is able to get extra credit this game. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't, and I don't know how, but I was just wondering if I could have gotten one. I would have tried. Our next client, for three points, is traveling to Italy to meet an old friend. Lacey? <laughs> this isn't right. No. No. Just say it. What Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> traveling, traveling to Italy to see an old friend. Josh. No. Is it Maximus Decimus Meridius from Gladiator? No. Is it because of Rome. Yeah, I gotcha. Lacey. Is it Cher from Mamma Mia too? Here we go again. Huh. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that Greece? Is yeah. It, is it Bella Swan in Twilight? <laughs> no. That is New Moon. New Moon, yeah. Damn. It's very good, but no. He's uh, for two points, he seems to be quite obsessed with his friend who is increasingly fed up with his presence. Bella? No. Uh, <laughs> two points. Going once. Lacey? I don't know their names. Oh, no. One person. Lestat? Interview with a vampire? No. (laughs) Good guess. Two points going once, twice, and for one point, everyone around him seems to disappear. Am I next? What? This one's still pretty big. Extra, extra hint. Really like his glasses. Going once, twice. Italy. Italy's throwing me off. Yeah. This potential client is Tom Ripley from the talented Mr. Mm. Ripley. I've God never damn, seen it's been a... that. Never seen it? No. I haven't watched it since college. It's a good pod movie. And our last client, for three points, has psychic abilities. She can gaze Josh. into the future. That's gotta be Matilda. No. That is no. telekinesis, Josh. Psychic? Yeah. Psychic just means of the mind. Could be either. Yeah. Umbrella. 
What, Bella? Ghost. Is it not Ghost? The movie? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the movie Ghost? It's a ghost. No. <laughs> okay. Please. No. For two points, she does not seem to have control of these abilities. Lacey? Uh, Lorraine Warren from The Conjuring. Two points going, 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 gone. And it says here in her file that she killed her bald mentor. Yeah. Dasso. Legend and Grey from X3. I would have taken X3 or Dark Phoenix. Should have went with my gut. My answers were better. (laughs) I said Matilda. And with that, the world is as it should be because the candidate that best possesses the abilities of the bodyguard is Lacey. Mm. The only person that deserved to win. Whatever. (laughs) No, I'm not going to let it go. Wrapping things up. What's I've never had a harder time. <laughs> never had a harder time wrapping. <laughs> uh, we can all come to the conclusion that Whitney Houston was a treasure. Yes. She was aptly titled The Voice. There are shining moments in The Bodyguard. And the soundtrack is incredible. And... This movie was made. And we're very grateful that Malin from Sweden listens and requested it. Malin, girl, this was for you. What up, Malin? Thank you so much. Um, Like I said at the beginning, the fact that our our reach has expanded this far means more than any four of us could say. We appreciate you. We have love for all of our listeners, so keep sending in those requests because they're coming and we're going to do them and we'll be on this mic so the cows come home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeehaw, cowboy. All right. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. Um, ooh, I had a tiebreaker question. I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, adjusted for inflation. Closest without going over. What is the domestic total box office for the bodyguard uh, adjusted for inflation adjusted for inflation that's gonna be high then i'm gonna say that's sitting pretty at like 420 nice 420 ladies 650 maybe i should have told you the original (laughs) too late 825 damn okay she'll never mella will never learn the Price is right rules. Nope. Just say six fifty one. She's not a six. fucking cheater. Six fifty one. Fucking cheater. Adjusted for inflation, the domestic box office total was two hundred and sixty nine million dollars. Still a lot for. So none of us get it because we all went over. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody went over. That's okay. Lacey won. We end each episode with a quick round of six degrees of separation, connecting that. Connecting an actor from this week's episode to an actor from next week's episode. So, who can find the fastest connection between Whitney Houston and Patrick Swayze? I got it. Whoa. Damn. <laughs> Damn. That wasn't edited, bitches. Um, Whitney Houston was 
in Cinderella with Whoopi Goldberg, who was in Ghost with Patrick Swayze. Period. Oh. Period. And she killed it. Killed the game! Oh my god, I've never done it that fast before. That was very fast. It's my night. Who knew? 11.30 p.m. Lacey comes alive. <laughs> Congrats, Lace. Thanks. This is your app. Because it sure as shit was not mine. <laughs> it was Malin's. <laughs> That's right. It was Malin's episode, girl. Um, Malin girl, not Josh girl. Uh, mm. That is it for this week's episode of When Cinephiles Attack. As always, we would love if you like, subscribe, follow, and rate us um, on Apple Podcast. You can find this and all of our episodes on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, anywhere you get your shows. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CinephileAttack. And if you have a suggestion for a new episode or you just want to show us some love, email us at WhenCinephilesAttack at gmail.com. I'm Sean. Mella. Josh. And Lacey. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, we will see you at the movies. <laughs>